Hello and welcome to D23 Inside Disney, the show that gives you a look at the latest Disney news and a peek at the people who make the magic at the Walt Disney Company. I'm D23's Jeffrey Epstein. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. And we're your hosts who will take you Inside Disney. Hello. Hello. Nice Uh, to hear you. It is nice to hear you. I miss hearing your voice. (laughs) Me too. I mean, I know what you've been up to because I follow you on Instagram, but tell me everything. (laughs) What is it like to not be on your couch watching Survivor? (laughs) Well, I probably got in a few more steps than you. Oh, you definitely did. And I've got a few more trips planned down there, but I went back to downtown Disney with my bubble crew. We did cocktails at the Uva Bar. We had a lovely dinner at Naples. We walked around Buena Vista Street. I got a churro. I got my (gasps) first Disneyland churro in forever. I am drooling on my microphone right now. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It was amazing. And I'm looking forward to going back to get to Carthay. I refreshed and refreshed and I eventually got a reservation for Carthay coming up in a few weeks. I'm very excited about that. Exciting. And you know, I think everyone who's ever listened to this podcast now knows I'm obsessed with WandaVision. I think it is amazing. The Mm -hmm. episode that they just had, the twist, I can't even, I can't wait to see tomorrow's. But they have this very cool WandaVision photo op at Disney California Adventure. I loved your picture. I had to do like a triple take. I was like, wait a minute, is Jeffrey on on WandaVision? (laughs) Oh my gosh. What I would give, what I would give. Just a fun, fun photo op. So definitely if you're a California adventure, take advantage of it. It's right near stage 17. And when I was in the Esplanade area, I always look at the the fun posters that they have up there. And I saw there was an Earth to Ned poster and I took a photo of it because also love Earth to Ned. Funniest, funniest show on Mm -hmm. Disney Plus if you have not seen it. Produced by Jim Henson Company. Then one of the producers, Scott Stenholm, actually hit me up and was like, where was this? So fun to see that there's many people who love Earth to Ned. And thanks, Scott, for reaching out. Huge fan of the show. And I finally finished it. I actually was saving the last episode for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks just because I did not (laughs) want it to end. But I finally watched it. I am very, very sad. I may just need to now go and rewatch them again. Yeah. (laughs) So there you go. That's a lot of information. I'm so sorry. I I feel like I rambled on there, but a lot of Disney in my week. How about you? Well, surprise, surprise. You'll never guess what I'm watching. Survivor. What? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Pass the torch. Well, once again, on a different season than the last time we spoke. (laughs) What are you on? Well, I'm kind of jumping around and actually... Cat W, who is a podcast listener and fellow Survivor fan, DM'd me last week, and she gave me some new recs for seasons that she loves, which, yeah, oh my gosh, me and my couch, the best of friends. Okay. <laughs> there is something about Survivor that I would love, if any other fans are out there, I would love to discuss the buffs. So if you don't know what a buff is, it's basically this garment that the castaways wear and it seems like they defy all the laws of physics because you could wear it as a headband you could wear it as a shirt as a skirt as a little scarf you could wear it as a as a bandage if you have a little cut this thing it can flex in any direction you need it to flex and i need to know more about these buffs so dm me fellow survivor fans i want to discuss buffs (laughs) you are going down a rabbit hole the likes of which i'm I've never quite seen before, Sherry, but I'm very, I'm very interested. 
Uh, I wonder what my next obsession will be. First AFV, now this. What will be next? I can only imagine. And I look <laughs> forward to finding out. Me too. You can go down a rabbit hole of the movies and shows that Deborah Martin Chase has produced. So fun segue there because the <laughs> incredible Uber producer, Deborah Martin Chase, is coming up. She was the producer of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella, Whitney Houston, yeah. Brandy, Whoopi Goldberg, coming to Disney Plus this weekend. Amazing. Very excited to see that. Yes. I haven't seen it in years. Same. And she's produced so many more things for Disney. We're going to talk with her all about that. Plus... I'm just saying, Julie Andrews served her tea, yes. and when Julie's serving the tea, you need to hear about it. <laughs> First up, the news. Believe it or not, I'm sure you're shocked, I did not watch the big game. Oh, you and me both. <laughs> I did watch all the commercials, however, and hey, the incredible go. Falcon and Winter Soldier trailer, which I know we're going to talk about in a minute, but... They did, however, film the iconic I'm Going to Disney World Super Bowl commercial with Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. And then they panned to Cinderella Castle at Magic Kingdom, which was illuminated in red and white, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers colors. And then it went to blue in recognition of the nation's healthcare heroes. So really, Aww. really amazing. Gronkowski then went to Disney World and they did a little float and celebrated there. Some great photos and... Mr. Brady will be going there later this year. Very cool. There is nothing like me and you talking football. Totally. <laughs> it's that sport with... The ball and the, and the feet. Yeah. Totally. Well, speaking of, ESPN Plus debuted a first look at the documentary series Man in the Arena, Tom Brady. So this is a multi-part series on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback, Tom Brady, and his 21 seasons in the NFL. It's scheduled wow. for fall 2021, and each episode focuses on a single Super Bowl appearance and centers not just on the pivotal moments of that game, but everything that leads to it. Hmm. The trailer for the series is now on ESPN's YouTube if you want to check it out. Nice, nice. I mentioned it a second ago, but the Falcon and the Winter Soldier amazing yeah. trailer debuted during the Super Bowl. You can see it on Marvel's YouTube channel. I am so excited. We all know what it's about. Anthony Mackie, Sebastian Stan <laughs> return as Falcon and the Winter Soldier, respectively. More excited maybe I am is for, and I think I just spoke like Yoda, for <laughs> Emily Van Camp's return as Sharon Carter, and she kicks some serious butt in that trailer. So you've got to watch it. It will be coming to Disney Plus on March 19th. Cannot wait to see more about it. And there's a great, great, great story on it in the new issue of Disney 23 interviewing both Anthony and Sebastian. Ooh, nice. Well, we've talked about this for every recent episode, but March 5th is almost here-ish. <laughs> the Disney Plus Premier Access pre-order and advanced theater ticketing is now available for Raya and the Last Dragon. Yay! Sign me up! Yes, me too! There is a new poster also that was released online. It is so stunning. So many characters, so much to unpack. I feel like I needed to zoom in and in and in to see all of the details. It's so good. <laughs> yes. yes. I don't know if you saw before the big game online, they did this fun promo um, about snacks to watch. And it was Kelly Marie Tran and Aquafina going back. And yes. they, it was. I was like crying with laughter. Uh, yeah, I want to be friends with them. Jeffrey, I feel like you're friends with them. Can I be I, I am on not, that? but oh. I will try. Lies. 
<laughs> I did meet Aquafina once at an event for the motion picture television uh-huh. and I chatted with her. She was lovely. She was like, hi, my name's Nora. She could not have been more normal, Aww. more nice, more like everything that you hope a celebrity is going to be. So shout out to Aquafina uh, slash Nora. That is just so cool. I knew it. Well, coming one week after Raya arrives on Disney Plus um, and in theaters were available, Disney Plus will exclusively premiere the documentary Own the Room. It is from National Geographic Films. Very, very interesting. Five students from different parts of the world, Nepal, Puerto Rico, Nairobi, Greece, and a Venezuelan immigrant in New York City. They compete in the Global Student Entrepreneur Awards, and the grand prize is $100 thousand dollars wow yeah and this is from some of the people who brought you the big sundance at science fair which has also been on disney plus so check out the trailer it's on national geographic's youtube page and i feel like i'm going to be on the edge of my seat because like those are very high stakes very cool yeah that's awesome speaking of awesome things (laughs) and sundance and sundance Summer of Soul, or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised, is set for theatrical release with Searchlight Pictures and streaming on Hulu. So this is a documentary that has never-before-seen footage from the Harlem Cultural Festival 1969, which was actually the same summer as Woodstock. And it's directed by The Roots' very own Questlove. It's actually his directorial debut, and it's part concert film, part historical record, celebrating black history culture fashion and music it sounds very cool there are interviews and performances from icons such as bb king nina simone stevie wonder and more and back to the sundance bit it just received the documentary grand jury prize and audience award at this year's sundance film festival wow yeah i can't wait to see this and hear it yes (laughs) Something else that just just was announced is that Genius Aretha from our pals at National Geographic is going to debut on March 21st, Sunday, and air over four consecutive nights with episodes available the next day on Hulu. And they just released a trailer in which Cynthia Erivo, as Aretha Franklin, completely slays. So check it out. So good. Taking things from land to sea. National Geographic documentary <laughs> films. Is there anywhere National Geographic does not go? Truly. Well, they've acquired the worldwide rights for Playing with Sharks, which is a documentary about the life of Australian icon and conservationist and filmmaker Valerie Taylor, who's a pioneer in hmm. both underwater filmmaking and shark research. So in the film, we get to see some awesome archival footage and interviews with Valerie herself following her journey from champion spear fisher to passionate shark protector and advocate. And fun fact, Valerie was also the first to ever film a great white shark underwater, which, wow, I can't imagine. That footage became the inspiration for the novel and film Jaws. And Valerie has actually spent a lot of her life dispelling the fearsome misconceptions about predators that came from Jaws's popularity. I mean, Jaws definitely put me off of sharks. So I'm curious to see this documentary and hear more about these misunderstood creatures. One of the characters on Big Sky, which we talked about, Mm -hmm. I think it was last week on ABC, keeps quoting Jaws. So (laughs) there you go. It all comes back to Jaws and apparently National Geographic. (laughs) Or Sundance. Or Sundance. 
But speaking of other awards, like mm-hmm. Sundance Awards, see what I was making? Uh-huh, uh, nice. Stop trying to make connections. <laughs> <laughs> Disney actually earned a whopping 25 Golden Globe nominations. Wow. Very exciting. So happy. And truly representing the entire company because you have Searchlight's Nomadland, Hulu's The Great and Normal People, Mandalorian, Soul, Yes. So many worthy, incredible productions. And some of my other favorites were also nominated, like Hamilton and Palm Springs and Onward. So congratulations yeah. to all the nominees. Plus, uh, some great SAG nominations were also announced at the Screen Actors Guild. Davy Diggs was nominated for his role in Hamilton. The Ensemble of the Great from Hulu. Francis McDormand from Searchlight's Nomadland. Mm. Congratulations all around so many amazing productions last year that came from Disney. Cannot wait to celebrate them all during many award shows. Wow. Well, speaking of legacies... <laughs> Kind of. But um, bump. <laughs> Leave a Legacy is returning to Epcot. So with the transformation of, we've talked about this, Epcot main entrance area, the original Legacy sculpture has been removed, but Leave a Legacy lives on in a beautiful new setting just outside of the park. If you're unfamiliar with Leave a Legacy, it offered guests the opportunity to have their pictures taken and then etched onto steel tiles, which were then mounted on panels. My family and I went to Walt Disney World for the Millennium Celebration. So our tiny little picture is on one of those panels. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. That is so cool. Yes. Oh. I'm going to go searching for the Alzira's next time I go. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, the newly designed panels will feature vibrant hues from the park's new color palette. And Jeffrey, for anyone who wants to search for the Alzira tile (laughs) at the location or your own tile, you can use (laughs) your smart device to scan the QR code at the Leave a Legacy display. It opens up a tile finder search feature, and then it provides the coordinates for your tile's location. So you can always spot your legacy when you visit. How techie and smart. So you, you can actually see more about that on the Parks blog and our good friend Zach Ridley actually posted about it on his Instagram so you can follow yes. him there. Now that we've hit all the legacies, you know what it's time for. What could it be time for? Is it time for me to watch Survivor again? Not yet. It's time <laughs> for five fantastic things to watch this weekend courtesy of our friends at D23 the official Disney fan club for complete details and listings visit d23.com Sherry what's Ooh. up first Up first Jeffrey we've got Inside Pixar Portraits it is streaming on Friday February 12th on Disney Plus an amazing in-depth documentary series providing an inside, like a true insider look into the people, the artistry, and the culture of my favorite place in the world, Pixar Animation Studios. And in this season, we get to meet a director of facility operations, a production assistant, a music editor, a director of international production, and last but not least, very excited for The Pastry Chef. Of course. Yeah. Well, also coming on Friday the 12th is Marvel's Behind the Mask, a brand new documentary special, um, which looks at the power of the identity behind the world's most iconic superheroes we know and love. And it's a bit more of a behind the scenes look at the creation and the characters themselves from the comics. So check that out on Disney+. Plus. Nice. Well, also on Friday, big day Friday, (laughs) Hip Hop Uncovered is going to premiere at 10 p.m. Eastern on FX. 
This is a six-part docu-series that takes a deep dive into the paradox of America's criminalization of the hip-hop genre and its fascination with the street culture that created it and still exists within it. Mm. I really like this. Instead of telling the story of hip-hop from the top down, Hip-Hop Uncovered tells a story from the streets up. So we really get to see how America's streets helped shape hip-hop culture in the series. Nice, nice. Yeah. On Sunday, cut up with your Valentine because this is American Idol. Did I did I do that okay? Yeah, um, I'm no Ryan Seacrest, <laughs> but but Sunday, February 14th at 8 p.m. on ABC, America will once again follow the journey of all these hopeful singers as they go from their hometowns to Hollywood with judges Luke Bryan, Katy Perry, and Lionel Richie, and of course award-winning host and producer Ryan Seacrest is back and Bobby Bones will be returning as an in-house mentor. So tune in. Nice. And last but not least, I don't know if you've heard of this little movie. It's called The Little Mermaid. (laughs) Mm, (laughs) Yeah, it's a little indie flick. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) of course, the epic Little Mermaid is going to be on a Freeform on Sunday, Valentine's Day at 7.20 p.m. Eastern, and it's part of Freeform's Love Week, which is a week-long programming event celebrating all things love in honor of Valentine's Day. Oh, Yeah. I love it. Cute. Well, let's get to our special guest today. Today, we are both excited and honored to have with us a brilliant woman and iconic producer who has a list of Disney credits so long, we would be here until next week if we named them all. But a few of the projects you may have heard of include The Preacher's Wife, The Princess Diaries, yes, The Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement, all three Cheetah Girls films, Lemonade Mouth, and Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella, which comes to Disney Plus this week. Please welcome Deborah Martin Chase. Uh, So happy to have you. I remember it 20 years ago when ABC was rolling out the red carpet for Wonderful World of Disney at Disneyland. They had you and the cast on stage at the Lincoln Theater on Main Street USA to talk about Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella. Oh my God, yes. What was that like for you? Yes. I was a producer affiliated with the Walt Disney Company for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I pinched myself many times because <laughs> I just, you know, growing up as a kid, Disney was everything. I mean, one of my moments sitting on the front row when they were naming one of the stages on the lot after mm. Julie Andrews, you know, we'd mm-hmm. shot some of Princess Diaries there and she'd shot some of Mary Poppins there. And I'm sitting next to Dick Van Dyke and the Shermans. And mm. I'm wow. like, oh my God, right? I'm like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so with Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella, you know, Michael Eisner insisted that he wanted to tape the introduction to, you know, the show when it was on TV. And it really was kind of Disney magic all the way around. So, yeah. Wow. (laughs) So you actually started your career as a lawyer and then transitioned to producing. How did that happen? Well, I had always loved film and television. In fact, when I was 10 years old, I wrote a letter to Walt Disney. Oh, that I was a little, you know, a, a little black girl and I wanted to be an actress and, you know, 
could I be in a Disney movie? And I'll never forget, I got a letter back, which unfortunately I do not have to this day, but I remember it so clearly. And he said, stay in school and all things are possible. What? What? That oh is gosh. so cool. Yeah. Yep. And oh, so what I found out years later, many, many years later, is a friend of mine's mother was his secretary forever. Wow. And she was black. And I always suspected that maybe either she made sure he saw my letter or maybe she wrote it and had him sign. You know what I mean? That it meant everything. Hmm. So that inspired you? How about the, 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 from no, being a, a, a... Let me back. That, I, I digress. Okay. <laughs> That's a great story, though. <laughs> Tell us more. magical <laughs> digression. So my dad was the biggest film and television buff that I have ever known. And so I grew up in a household where we watched a lot of television. We saw a lot of movies. We talked about them at the dinner table. And, you know, as I got older, I realized how film and television shaped my worldview and just how important it was in terms of images and messages and morals. And so I always wanted to get in the movie business, but God, even though I grew up in part you know, six through 15 in Pasadena, California, I might as well have been 3,000 miles away from Hollywood because I didn't know anybody in the business. And so I went to law school, you know, because that's what you did when you went to security. And I went to Harvard Law School and, and across the street from the law school was the Harvard Square Theater, which was a revival theater. And I would slip out during the day and go see movies and carried the schedule around with me. This is always my passion. And then finally, I just got to a point in my life, I practiced law for a few years, big firms, big corporations. I knew, you know, I was a really good lawyer, but I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I finally just reached that point. I said, well, I should try. If I fail, I fail, but at least let me give it a shot. And so here I am. Many wow. Years. That was a good shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You touched on being oh, your partnership with Disney for 20 years, but I, I didn't realize until I started doing my research that in 2001, the deal you made with Disney made you the first black female producer to have a deal with a major yeah. studio. Yeah. Yeah. That, it blew my mind. What was that like? And, and how did that feel? You know what is so funny? So, I had been Whitney's partner and our deal ended right as we were beginning to shoot Princess Diaries, deal ended with Disney. And so, you know, we shot the movie and I just, you know, had a feeling it was going to be something special, but you never know. Hmm. You know, the movie's about to come out and my agent called Nina Jacobson and said, you know, would you ever consider, you know, giving Deborah a deal? And Nina was like, look, I would love to, but they'd made a ton of talent deals and they were having to get rid of them. And she's, I just can't bring anybody else on. So, you know, the movie opens really well. You know, it's clear we were going to, you know, do a hundred million dollars. And the second weekend, it does really well. And Nina called me to her office and she said, you know what? You've delivered for us. I want to you know, take care of you. You've been a good warrior for us. And none of us realized in that moment the significance of it. You're working towards something because you want it and because, you know, I wanted to be a producer and be productive and make, you know, great movies, not because I wanted to be the first. So it wasn't until like the next day or so when I, you know, talking to my agents and my lawyers that we all realized that, you know, a barrier had been broken. 
Wow. Wow, that is amazing. Well, Grey's Anatomy, Station 19, Scandal creator Shonda Rhimes was actually your intern? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. wild. Did you have any sense of the talent that she would grow into? Well, listen, you can never project that someone will become as big as Shonda has become because that's not only talent, that's determination and fortitude and everything else. But yeah, I knew she was extremely talented. And in fact, I gave Shonda her first paid writing job, which Mm. was on a documentary that I did with Mike Polin on Hank Aaron, who sadly just, just lost. I hired Shonda to write the dramatizations. And then Shonda wrote three movies for me, including Princess Diaries 2. So, I mean, you know, she was enormously talented. And funny, when we were doing Princess Diaries 2, we had a start of production date that we were backing into. So there was a lot of pressure. And I gave her an office in the animation building, in the old animation building. And I was like, whatever you need, let us know, because we got to get this done. And she kept saying, oh, you know, I have this pilot at ABC. And it's being considered. And then it was like, oh, you know, we're going to shoot the pilot and blah, blah, blah. And then that was Grey's Anatomy. And so I see the pilot and I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) 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 And the rest is history. So I'm so proud of her. I'm so, so proud of everything that she's done and just the person that she is. So Cinderella coming to Disney Plus, so exciting. What are some of your favorite memories from making it? So many, so many. I just want to start with, I love so many of the things that I've been involved with, but Cinderella is one of the things I am the most proud of. I got into this business because growing up, I did not see people who looked like me, who looked like me and who felt like me. So I knew what it would have meant to me to have grown up with a Black Cinderella. It broke down stereotypes and then just the whole multicultural cast, which, you know, Mm -hmm. which we take for granted today. I mean, you turn on the TV in 2021 and at at least 50% of the families and the couples in commercials are, you know, multiracial and gay or whatever. It's accepted. But, Mm -hmm. you know, in 1997, This was like unheard of. And there were people who said, oh, my God, you know, the audiences are not going to accept this. And then there were those who said it's visionary and groundbreaking. So I think, you know, on both of those fronts, Cinderella had a huge impact. Totally. Yeah. Like you said, the casting was was brilliant. It was really in some ways ahead of its time. Can you talk about how you pulled together such an inclusive cast? It was so hard. It really was (laughs) so hard. And Craig Zayden, Neil Marin, and I, and Chris Montand, who, you know, went on to become worldwide head of music for Disney, were really tied at the hip for a year, putting this thing together. And because it was so hard. (laughs) And so we had this vision. I mean, first of all, from the wonderful world of Disney's perspective, and Charles Hershorn was the head of that at the time, he was like, okay, if I have Whitney Houston in primetime television and Brandy, I have an event. So our vision for this was this multicultural casting. He was like, I'll support the vision because I know at the end of the day, 
I'm going to get eyeballs because of Whitney Houston on primetime TV. So we didn't have to convince the network. But, you know, it hadn't been done before. And, and honestly, a lot of, you know, really amazing actresses were nervous about being the stepmother because they didn't want to be mean to mm-hmm. Brandy, a little, you know, a little black girl. They, you know, they thought there might be perceived to be racial undertones. And thankfully, you know, we were able to convince Bernadette to see the greater vision for the piece and to understand this would not. And in fact, it was like, you know, it's huge for her as for everybody else. And it really was a puzzle because if we had cast a white queen, then we wanted to have a black king. And so it was just one step at a time, one role at a time, you know, just pulling out all the stops to get great people. And the first person to actually sign on after Whitney and Brandy was Jason Alexander. You know, he'd been involved with theater his whole life. He loved musical theater. And he was, you know, being George Costanza on Seinfeld. So this represented a great opportunity for him to kind of, you know, break out of that image and do something very near and dear to his heart. So that helped things going. You know, Whoopi, we had talked to, was one of the first people that we went, if not the first person we went to, to play the queen. And at the time she had other stuff she was doing. And she's like, look, I don't know that I can make this work. But at the end of the day, if you haven't found someone, circle back to me. And so we went to several amazing actresses. And then we finally someone, and I don't want to mention names, because but someone who was amazing. We were beside ourselves. And she ended up having some unexpected personal issues and could not do it. And so after picking ourselves off the ground, we decided it's time to go back to Whoopi. And thankfully, at that point, she was available and and said yes. Wow. Wow. I want you to know, I work on the communications for the Walt Disney Archives. And Mm -hmm. like many of their costumes, Brandy's dress is well preserved by the archives and actually was on display at Disney's D23 Expo back in 2019. Wow. Um, So the film continues to live on in very current ways and people get to enjoy your creations. And I mean, obviously the archives is full of princess diaries and so many of the films and projects you've worked on. What is it like to know that items from your films are now such an important part of Disney history? Listen, I'm telling you this, the little girl in me pinches herself periodically (laughs) 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 because I, that's why I was there for 20 years, because I understood the brand. I, you know, loved the brand. And I, you know, am thrilled that I was able to make a huge, you know, contribution, particularly on, you know, on the female side of the brand. So, I mean, I love my Cheetah Girls. My Cheetah Girls yes. were also kind of groundbreaking and they, you know, they really kind of hasn't been anything quite like it since. And we were the first musical for the Disney channel. So we put together kind of the foundation upon which the, you know, Gary Marsh and went on to build, you know, high school musical and camp rock and that legacy of amazing Disney channel musicals. So I'm really proud of my place in kind of, you know, the Disney history. Hmm. Wow. I consider myself a cheetah girl, cheetah sister. So I thank you for bringing that to me, to my childhood. 
Well, you've had the chance to work with so many incredible young talents with Disney, like Anne Hathaway, of course, Raven Simone, Naomi Scott, who then starred as Jasmine in our live action Aladdin. Right. Was there a spark or a certain something that they all had where you knew that they would be stars? Yes. Uh, no question. I think of myself as pretty good at casting. I've found quite a few, you know, young stars. And you you know, when you, you just know there's a light in the eyes, there's an intelligence, there's something unique about them. Not, you know, that just makes them stand out. They are beautiful in an individual way, you know, not a cookie cutter beauty. There's a spirit and a courage and you see it, you know, you mm-hmm. see it, you, you know it when you see it. I mean, listen, Adrienne Bailon, you know, from Cheetah Girls, she's mm-hmm. so funny. I'll never forget. She came in to read and she was reading the whole script. Like, like both, like, like all the parts, all the stage directions. <laughs> and then she turns and, you know, and she never read a script before in her life, but I could see her spirit and her energy. So I was like, okay, honey, look, let's stop right now. <laughs> why don't you take a couple of days, you know, get some help. And come back and read, you know, and of course she came back and she was brilliant, you know, or just, you know, she had that raw, you love her. She had a voice of an angel. I mean, Naomi Scott, we're looking high and low because the role was based on a book and the role was written for a young Indian woman. And this was before this stuff was done, but, you know, she lived in London we could not afford to fly her out for an audition. So we, Gary Marsh and I and, and Judy Taylor and, all, you know, the, the Disney Channel crew, we were in a big conference room and we teleconferenced with her in London. And again, you could just see the, the light and the energy and, and we booked it and she, you know, killed it. Wow. Princess Diaries is one of both Sherry and my favorite movies. <laughs> yes. I may have even stayed in the Princess Diaries suite at the Disneyland Hotel years ago when they had it. Please don't judge me. Okay. Love that. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Can you talk about some memories of that film and working with Anne and, and Disney legend mm-hmm. Julie Andrews? Oh, my God. I mean, that movie was really magical. I got the book in manuscript form because I had done Cinderella and I was at William Morris at the time and the book itself had been turned down by like 17 publishers because they thought it was too soft. The agent sent it to me and said, you know, because Cinderella, I thought this might be something for you. And I literally read it that night because it is, it's like another form of Cinderella basically, Mm -hmm. right? The next day I was like, oh, I got this. This is good. So Nina Jacobson had just come on board and they had cleared out all the old projects and they wanted to kind of reinvent the brand. It was like, you know, let's take a chance on this. You know, it's it, it's a cute story and, you know, we can see how, how it fits the brand. My agent at the time, Whitney and my agent, because this was, you know, I was partnered with Whitney, Nicole David, also represented Julie Andrews. And so, you know, you read the book and you're like, okay, who would be like the A++++ Queen Clarice and is one name. And so Nicole arranged for me to go have tea 
with Julie at her townhouse on the Upper East Side. No, what? Wow. True queen. One of my pinch me little girl moments. (laughs) So I'm in there. And, you know, she was married to Blake Edwards. Blake is there. We're in the living room. I mean, I never forget. I had a a little bit of a cold. She was bringing me tea and zinc tablets. (laughs) And I'm in there for like, you know, a couple of hours getting to know her, and I leave the manuscript behind. And that's one where I walked out and called my dad, and I was like, okay, you're not going to believe what just happened. Right? <laughs> so, wow. so she was very interested, but she was like, you know, let's see what happens. And obviously Gary Marshall had had a long, you know, great relationship with Disney. And Nina said, you know, we've been looking for another movie for Gary. You know, this feels like it could be it. And we sent him the script and he said yes. And then he Mm -hmm. called Julie and told Julie, I'm going to do the movie and I need you to do it too. And she said yes. And we were Mm -hmm. like, oh God, this is like the A plus team here. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Wow. I've got to ask, when Julie Andrews was tending to you when you were sick, did she or did she not give you a spoonful of sugar? (laughs) (laughs) no she did not but like I said I was the biggest Mary Poppins fan this was like pinch me moments Mm. wow well you mentioned her earlier you worked with the icon herself Whitney Houston on two projects for Disney the preacher's wife and Cinderella what is something we should know about her that we maybe don't you know what she was so lovely she was really smart warm. She had incredible instincts. You know, she could feel a person, you know, what they were about. You know, I feel like obviously had a controversial life. I just, I don't want some of the negative things to ever outweigh the huge talent that she was, the gift that she had, and that she was just, she really was a lovely person. Mm. Wow. That's beautiful. So Cinderella, Princess Diaries, Cheetah Girls, Lemonade Mouth are all on Disney+. Plus. So we were wondering during this time when so many of us have been at home, have you done any Disney Plus binging? I did a Cheetah Girls deal. I was the, first, the first couple of months, it's a long story, I was in New York, and I live in New York and LA, but I was in New York and I was about to shoot two TV pilots when the world shut down. And I... My, my went to stay with my mom in Chicago because she was by herself. And so I was there for a bit. And so we did all three Cheetah Girls movies. <laughs> nice. So we had so much fun. And I'm singing the songs. <laughs> like you mean it. Free. I mean, I'm doing the whole bit. Right? And we did Lemonade Mouth. Oh. Um, and you know what? That's the thing. We would have done Cinderella if it had been available. I started thinking about, my God, when is the last time that I have seen it? You know, because I had a, a VHS. Who has a VCR anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I literally can't remember the last time I saw it. So I'm so excited. And there was never a soundtrack. Oh. Huh. So I would like, you know, now that we've finally gotten the movie on Disney Plus, I would like to try and see if there's some way to get soundtrack. I just think the music is so amazing. I would love to have a soundtrack in the world. Me too. Well, 
if anyone can make it happen. Exactly. <laughs> well, it has been so magical talking to you. I've had to pinch myself a couple of times in our conversation. We end every interview with our guests by asking the same question. And that question is, what is your favorite Disney memory? So the in-person memory, seriously, was what I said before, is being there when the stage is being named after my friend Jules. Okay. Wow. Okay, right. And <laughs> I'm in the front row with Dick Van Dyke and Annie and the Shermans who wrote all the Mary Poppins songs. And I'm just like, this was like a dream beyond a dream come true, right? Mm-hmm. I have so many movies in the Disney repertoire and I have favorite moments from each one, but I don't know that there's one moment that stands above all. I think that's, well, I, th- I got to tell you, being with the Sherman brothers, watching <laughs> your good friend Jules have a stage, <laughs> like, that pretty much went like that. That would be my favorite Disney moment. I mean, it's becoming yeah. my favorite moment and I wasn't even there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. This was fun. This is fun. Disney's been such a big part of my life. This was fun. I could have talked to her for like four hours. I mean, it would have been <laughs> the longest podcast in the history of podcasts. Me but too. I, she's uh, amazing. So many good stories. Icon. Well, thanks again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. Don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And if you want to chat with us about Survivor or other things, hashtag D23 Inside Disney. And for all the latest Disney info, check out D23.com. We'll be back next week with more Disney news and a fantastic guest on an all-new episode of D23 Inside Inside Disney. Disney.